0: Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly, and voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky.
1: Hello, and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I am your host, David Turetsky. And like always, I try and find fascinating people with fascinating topics in and around the world of HR data and analytics. Today, I have my friend Dwight Brown from Turetsky Consulting. Hello, Dwight. Hello, David. Good to be here. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm awesome. Um, For those of you who don't know Dwight, Dwight comes to Turetsky Consulting with over 22 years of healthcare experience. Dwight, why don't you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, so I started in healthcare almost straight out of college and uh, worked for the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota most of my time. I spent a little bit of time down in Scottsdale, Arizona, in our site down there, but uh, working in various administrative roles there. Uh, I worked in HR and finance, and a lot of my time was spent just in our quality area, but about half of that time was, was spent in the analytics arena. And I had various uh, analytics leadership positions, first with our quality management services area, working with our quality analytics, our quality of care analytics, and then working with our enterprise analytics, doing the leadership of our back-end support functions there for a couple of years. And along with that, I uh, also worked on the side as a paramedic, did that in my spare time, Moonlit, doing that for probably about 10 years, so… That's great. I left Mayo in 2019 and went into the consulting arena. I've been there ever since.
1: So you're doing something in South America. Is it something you can tell us about?
2: (laughs) I could tell you, (laughs) but I'd have to kill you, right? (laughs) Oh, no, please don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. I actually, so my educational background is is international. I was a Spanish major and my master's is in international management. And when I left Mayo and got into the consulting side, I decided to uh, do international consulting. So I threw a dart at a map, knew I wanted to go to South America, didn't know what country, but I threw a dart at a map, ended up in Cali, Colombia, Mm -hmm. and uh, worked for an emergency medical services uh, provider there doing business strategy, and then have uh, also been working on some other ventures in the meantime. So I spent probably half of the most the last year and a half living and working in Kali and working back and forth between Kali and the United States.
1: So it's been a great, great deal. Great gig. It sounds like it. One fun thing you may not know about Dwight is that he is an adrenaline junkie. (laughs) Please tell me you've been safe please.
2: Well, you know, part of the <laughs> adrenaline side is you got to put safety, you, you got to look at the prioritization of that, but no, I, I am safe. Yeah. I am safe. I, uh, you know, I, I do things that are, that are a little out on the, on the edge, but no, not literally so out, out on the on, edge. The, yeah, literally, literally out, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And sometimes I go right over that Off edge. edge. Yes.
1: <laughs> but, but you have a parachute or you're paragliding or something yep. right
2: yeah yeah okay. so i right. i uh, actually when i went down there the first time i was doing some tourist stuff and i i was looking and i i came across paragliding as an activity and i thought oh god that looks that looks cool believe it or not even though i'm an adrenaline junkie i'd never been skydiving before but it <laughs> wow. looked like it was pretty close to skydiving and so yeah. Those of you who don't know, paragliding is essentially jumping off of a mountain with a parachute on your back and flying for long periods of time using the updrafts from uh, warm air. And so uh, I try to do that at least once uh, every time I'm down there. Sometimes I'm not able to, but
1: yeah. Yeah. Dwight, uh, please don't do it anymore. (laughs) we want you safe and you're back here with i I would say both feet on the ground but i'm a hockey player so i'd say both feet on the ice and yeah
2: (laughs) yeah exactly although i don't know which one's more dangerous hockey or paragliding that one could be a close
1: it depends on how you play that is true (laughs) so today's topic dwight is talking about our most valuable asset which is our data And talking about the role of data governance in analytics, and it's a passionate topic for me, I really believe in data governance as a beginning strategy for anybody who's undertaking an analytics path or they want to go down the analytics path, especially in HR. I would agree. I would agree. You can't have analytics without some sort of data governance. So that brings up our first topic, Dwight. What is data governance? Well, that's a great question, and I think
2: it depends who you ask. But to give a formal definition, I look at the Data Governance Institute, which is a data governance standards uh, body, sort of uh, one of the gold standards out there. And Data Governance Institute describes it as a system of decision rights and accountabilities for information related processes executed to according to agreed upon models which can describe who can take what actions with what information when and under what circumstances using what methods
1: and, and we'll put a link by the way to that so that when if people want to actually go to that and check out the standard we can actually put a link on the yep. uh, podcast
2: yeah definitely and when I look at data governance, you know, at a very basic level, data governance is really putting a set of rules around your sure. data, how, what it looks like, how you use it, who can use it. You know, it's a way of being able to control the data, and it's a way of being able to have data integrity, essentially. Sure, sure. And uh, there, you know, it can be anywhere from very basic to very complex. The, you know, the other more formal piece that goes with that, that was also part of the materials that that I saw there. It says the most common label to describe accountability and responsibility for data and processes that ensure effective control and use of data assets. Stewardship can be formalized through job titles and job descriptions, or it can be a less formal function driven by people trying to help an organization get data yeah. from it, value from its data, yeah. which brings another topic sure. altogether, which is data stewardship.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think anybody who's ever been part of either an HRIT organization or payroll organization will tell you that the lines blur pretty dramatically when you're trying to maintain the data in HR. Between the data owners, like a manager or an employee or a business owner or business leader, and then the stewards, like they're talking about, who are the people who manage the data, manage the flows of the data and manage the structures of the data.
2: Yes, definitely so. And depending on the organization, sometimes those roles are different roles. Sometimes they are blended roles. I've seen a lot where... The, the owners of the data oftentimes end up being data stewards as well. But it mm-hmm. depends on the size, complexity of the organization and sure. all its systems. Sure.
1: And, and I think one of the most important parts of this is that there are going to be times when you're going to need to work with people even outside of the HR world, whether it's in IT, whether it's in finance, whether it's, you know, because... Data governance is really a multidisciplinary issue. It's not strictly HR and it's not strictly IT either. It has a lot of process implications as well, doesn't it?
2: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And you're exactly right. It oftentimes that means reaching across boundaries to other areas outside of the HR organization. The data point that I like to use as an illustrator for this is zip code. Mm-hmm. You you take something as simple as zip code and Number one, there are different ways of denoting zip code. You could go by the five-digit, or you could sure. do the five-digit dash four-digit. Sure. And the But zip code is fairly universal. It can be used under an employee. It can be used under a customer. In our cases, it could be used under a patient. But coming to a common definition of how you're using that zip code and how you're denoting that in the system you oftentimes have to to go across disciplines. Sure. So I I would agree with you. I think you're exactly right on
1: uh, with that. And we get into other topics. Like, you know, Zip Code is a really good kind of bridge to what I would like to call, you know, the problem that HR gets itself into, where, you know, there are issues where you could say, where is an employee domiciled? You could say, you know, what's the work location? And then what's their home location? You could talk about the word address. What does the word address mean? Is it the work address? Is it the office address? Is it the home address? You know, what does it actually mean? Data governance sets it up very carefully and very cleanly to say these are the different types of address you need. These are the owners of address. These are the people who can update address, and this is where address is stored and where it can be referenced, right? I mean, right. I'm, exactly. I'm missing out a lot of detail there, but, <laughs> right. but, but, but the reason why that's key is because then the general ledger, the HR system, the security system, the workforce planning systems, the time management systems, all of those different systems can utilize that definition of the word address yep. in all those various forms and then be able to, quote unquote, talk the same language. Right, right. And everybody has sort of a common
2: knowledge on who, what, how, when side of the equation that goes with that. But having a system of data governance is the only way to get that. You get some informal systems of data governance where where that happens. You know, there's that common knowledge kind of stuff that happens. But, you know, to really do it right, it's you've got to have that.
1: So that brings up the next question, Dwight, which is the what's in it for me on data governance. You know, as, a, as whether you're an HR user, whether you're a leader, whether you're an employee, whether you're, a, you know, the CFO or the CHRO, what's the what's in it for me on data governance? So, you know, here's, here's the way that, that
2: I describe it. Data governance is going to be the differentiator between good data and bad data. And that's the piece that, that people don't understand. But especially us as data geeks, mm-hmm. we really get it. And we get sure. it from the school of hard knocks because <laughs> we, we've been there. We've dealt with bad data before. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I have one specific time that I remember where I was presenting data to one of our executive leadership groups. And somebody brought up something that really shot holes in the data that I was presenting because Mm -hmm. we really didn't have consistency in our, our data. We didn't understand the definitions and, you know, and so with data governance, the what's in it for me is that number one, it's a differentiator between good data and bad data. Number two, the best case of bad data is that your integrity is blown apart. The worst case is your business being blown apart. I mean, data and Working in healthcare, I also saw was that data can literally between be sure. life and death. Absolutely, and unless you have the data governance systems in place, you know it really can be that. The other thing, you know, memories are long. Get it right the first time. Yeah. And when I was leading different groups and we do system rollouts or report rollouts or whatever that might be, what I always told my group was, look. Having no data is better than having bad data. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's a piece that people, people really forget about sometimes, especially people who are new to analytics and totally. reporting and some of that. Yeah. Uh, so the, the what's in it for me is not, is basically the fact that you are the steward of. Putting data out there and putting data insights out there for the organization, and so as the as the steward, you need to have a system that helps you as a system of checks and balances that helps you to be able to ensure that you've got good data integrity out there for what you're using and reporting.
1: Yeah, and, and let me just comment on that last part. It's that you know when when someone's the steward, they really need to utilize the people around them to be able to help make sure that the data is in the shape necessary for analytics and reporting you know we look at stuff so often that we miss a lot of things because we've been looking at it for so long it's kind of like Mm -hmm. when you're writing a paper and you keep looking and they keep looking and somebody goes hey you know you spelled that wrong and, and you've been looking at it for so long that you just never see it. Well, in the case of the data, you live with this data day in and day out. You don't see the problems and they exist in there. So make sure that you have people along the way who are helping you by making sure that they're looking at it as well, getting those second set of eyes on it. You know, you, you talked before about the example. The example I have is I had a conversation. Well, it wasn't more of a conversation. It was more of a yelling at when I, the compensation leader, brought into a meeting with the CFO a set of headcount numbers, and the CFO was started yelling at me that that's not the right numbers, that they had the right numbers from the general ledger. And I said, no, no, these are right. I counted them myself. I literally called managers to make sure the count was right. And they said, but, but yours is wrong. And I said, no, they're both right. You're looking at a different definition of the word headcount than I am. I'm looking at it as butts and seats. You're looking at it as FTEs or you're looking at it as as some type of FTE equivalency. And so you can get into those conversations and you're getting to data governance in the conversation. But unfortunately, it starts out as a yell fest for a little bit. <laughs> and we hate those meetings and you hate to be called into those meetings. I actually love those meetings because in the end, it leads to discovery and it leads to right. consensus. And I I tell people not to fear. You know, you were talking about an adrenaline junkie. That's where I'm an adrenaline junkie and a data geek because I go into those moments you know, looking for that rush where they say that you're wrong and I go, No, you're right. And they look at me and they go, What the hell are you talking about? But about what I are just, you on? Exactly, yeah. What I'm on data. <laughs>
0: well, right. you know, you're insane. <laughs> yeah, I am, but that's okay.
1: But but at the end of the day, at the end of the meeting, they come out of it with a full appreciation, which is what data governance is trying to uncover from the beginning. It's trying to give everybody a level playing field and a basis for not only understanding, but interpretation of different forms of data because it's got this standard that data governance provides, correct?
2: Yeah, I would agree entirely. And like you, I love those conversations. It's yes, they can be painful, but I think you hit the nail on the head that you've got to be out there talking with people. And I often say that great data governance analysts are some of the world's best networkers. You know, you're getting on the phone, calling somebody saying, here's what I'm thinking about this. Here, I'm looking at this piece of data. What might I be missing? Or what do I need to know about this? And, you know, it's so often what I've seen is is where a data governance analyst might sit down and they're just looking at the computer system. They're just looking at the raw bits and bytes that that go with it. But they're not getting, because... Like you say, we look at this data day in and day out. We've also got a lot of information about the data churning sure. around in our heads that might not necessarily come out. It might not be documented or whatever. Yeah. And until somebody picks up the phone or shoots an email across and says, tell me more about this, uh, you don't know. Or until you get yeah. into the Yellfest meetings that you were talking about, you don't
1: know. And- but, but not only that, but you can't have data governance in one person's mind. It right. doesn't work. exactly. A data governance strategy means that people know it. It's a published document yes, or a published set of documents or a published set of standards. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by Turetsky Consulting and listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show.
1: So Dwight, that brings us to our third topic, which is data governance seems overwhelming because there are so many sources of data. Where does somebody start?
2: You know, it really it really can seem overwhelming. And some of that can be determined by the size of the organization, the number of systems that the organization deals with, the number of data points, whatever that might be. And, and actually what I'll what I will also preface this with is I like to joke that data governance is the ambient of the data world it can really put a lot of people to sleep and <laughs> it's you know it takes a special it takes a special person to to love this and you know that in and of itself can make it overwhelming because sure some people see it it just boring as all get out and and that's okay that's okay but well um, it
1: it is okay and it's not okay it's okay because there are other people who will take the mantle of the data stewardship
2: yes it's not okay if you have that
1: right 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 it's not okay because if those people then start showing their data to other people and they get yelled at, they're going to wish they didn't fall asleep during the data <laughs> governance discussion. Exactly. So hopefully you're paying attention, listener. <laughs> <laughs> it, it only takes that one time. <laughs> it really does. It only takes one time to be in front of that leader who says, I don't trust you. I don't trust your data. Right. I don't trust you are telling me because I know how many people I have in my group and this is wrong. And it's wrong by right. a lot. And unless you know the origin story, unless you know why it is what it is and what it is and talk about correction of it or talk about at least where the derivation was, you're going to be you're going to be in bad shape. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And that there's nothing worse than those times when you when you hear those words from a leader and it's it it really can be devastating. And so, but it is, it can be the impetus for action. And, you know, so in terms of, in terms of where to start, I think the, the best place to start is to do an asset inventory or a data asset inventory, start cataloging. What systems do you have in place? And then within that, what data is there? And then start to take some of that data and put it into macro categories. To me, the key to data governance is starting high and moving down low Mm -hmm. because the overwhelming part of it is that you look at how many data points the average organization is going to be dealing with. And it can be oftentimes it can be in the millions. And when you look at it like that, it's kind of like, oh, gosh, where do I start? But if you start to figure out if you don't have an asset inventory, you're never going to get there. If you don't know where your data is, what it is, then you're never going to get there. So start, start at the macro level. Say, so here are the systems that we have. Here are high-level categories that are in those systems. And then start to break the data down. Sure. And I don't want to go too far afield here, but if you look at the concept of what's called master data management, which is sure. another topic in and of itself, Absolutely. master data is essentially – what is that what are the source of truth high level pieces of data that we have and then pushing those pushing
1: them yeah. down and it's basically you know, it's like, probably, like how do they work through the piping you know if you right. consider you know master master data management where does the data come from where does it go and where's the piping that takes it from and to it's almost like blockchain for right. for data
2: yeah exactly exactly And so if you look at master data management, I found a great example out here. That next step down after you have your systems is looking at the macro level categories for it. And so, you know, your macro level categories might be customer, product, location, employee and asset. And you start from there and then you start slating your data into those categories. And from there, you can you can then start to work down. And, you know, really the next step becomes what's the high value data that we have and then work with that and then keep going from there. So it really, you know, I I think in terms of the where do you start, that's a good place. The other thing that I would say is start by trolling the Internet, learning more about data governance. What is it? It's not that everybody has to become an expert on it, but right. you can't build a system in your organization If you as a leader don't have at least a little idea of what data governance is. And there are all kinds of, you know, all kinds of resources out there to do
1: that. And we'll post some on the podcast. So if somebody wants to learn more about it, they can go to that. Yep. That's perfect. That's perfect.
2: Yeah. And then determine what your priorities are and based on your asset inventory and, and just keep working from there. So this is doable. This is very doable. Don't try to bite it off all at once. If you don't right. have a data governance system in place in your organization, start small. You know. Yeah,
1: well, and they can definitely make progress. I mean, you know, starting small—it's yeah. critical because you know even mid-sized or smaller mid-sized companies, data is so plentiful now. We keep right. so much because because you know the ability to store data is so easy now, especially with AWS, where it's so cheap to store. You know anything. And yep. so we we hold on to things for so long, even though we don't need them. And that's actually another problem is the good data stewardship means that you're getting rid of things when you don't need them anymore. You don't hold on to things for too long, yep. which I think some of the people I've worked with in the past may forget is you don't need history from day one of your organization unless day one was maybe 10 years ago. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
2: And you determine what that looks like, what the timeline looks like, and Now it's like my closet at home. I've got to start cleaning it out at some point and doing it periodically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, actually, I have just way too many skeletons in my closet, so (laughs) I definitely have to do that inventory soon. Uh,
2: Amen to that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The other thing
2: that I would that I would say is don't assume that you're not doing data governance if you don't have a formal system in place, because I have yet to find an organization that doesn't have some sort of data governance in place. It could be as small as the report writer documenting the definitions of some of the data points that they're using. That's data governance. That's, that's a piece of data governance. And you know, like we've talked about, you may have people with a good amount of information in their head about a particular data point or a metric or whatever that might be, how it's used. And they you know, oftentimes there are informal agreements that have taken place along the way about how to sure. use specific data. Right. So it's oftentimes there, it's just a matter of starting to formalize it. So definitely would say that getting past that, overwhelming feeling is also realizing that you probably have something in place. It just may not be as formal as a formal data governance system.
1: And if you need help on a formal data governance system, please call Dwight at Turetsky Consulting. Exactly.
2: Exactly. I'm here. I'm here to help. So
1: (laughs) yes, you (laughs) are. So, Dwight, we've talked about a bunch of things around data governance. First of all, we talked about what it is. What is good data governance and what is just data governance? We've talked about what's in it for me and what you really could harm yourself if you don't actually have a data governance in place or some kind of data governance in place. And lastly, we talked about where to begin and starting small. And, you know, some kind of data governance is better than no data governance and, and getting started, it you know, should be on understanding what your assets are. What else would you like to impart to our listeners before we close?
2: Uh, I think it I think it really is the the piece just reiterating for people that, um, you know, don't get hung up on feeling too overwhelmed by this. Just, again, start small, realize what you're what you're currently doing. Already in this space, look for people who have an interest in this also and and earmark those people as being sort of the champions uh, of it and And that that is one final point that I will bring up as a key to success in any data governance system, and that is having effective champions. That means uh, it doesn't necessarily mean the person who's working with that piece of data day in, day out. Oftentimes, it's a leader within the organization and somebody who is interested and passionate about this, but is also well thought of in the organization. And like any other effort, having a good key champion like that will really
1: help you to make great strides with this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll add one more thing, which is make sure that it is a cross-functional team and that you get some champions yeah. that are in all the different aspects. Because in HR, we kind of think of things very HR. But there's HR data that we get that affects all different areas of the organization and that we collect data from all different areas of the organization, so make sure that you have people who can speak the language of the organization and be able to uncover pieces of data that we rely on, even outside of HR.
2: Yeah, I could not agree more. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. It uh, be sure and look across borders with it and and get those people. And you know, oftentimes, oftentimes what you get with that is that that person. Just by the nature of of working uh, across borders, they will work across other borders and and yep. work with their colleagues to help to sure. to get robust definitions and you know comprehensive definitions or whatever that might be that you're working towards. So I I couldn't agree more with you on that point. I think that's well, key. thank you for agreeing and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's really been a pleasure. This has been fun. And, yeah,
1: it has been fun. We got to do it again sometime. Most definitely. I'll, I'll awesome. look
2: forward to the next one.
1: Okay, awesome. And thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please hit subscribe. Also, if you have friends who might enjoy it, please send it on to them. Thank you very much. Take care and stay safe.
0: That was HR Data Labs. Please visit ToretskyConsulting.com forward slash podcast to review the show, add comments about this episode, or add new ideas about upcoming shows you'd like to hear. Feel free to be creative, but please be nice. Thank you for joining us this week on the HR Data Labs podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.